G'day, welcome to Radio Notes, where those in music talk life, and those in life chat music, and more. I'm John Merch. Today we put the pieces of the puzzle together for Emily Hatton. It has to be Ned Flanders, doesn't it? I don't think Ned Flanders is, is one of the characters, actually. He should be. It makes sense. Right there is one piece of the puzzle of our chat. You'll need to listen in to find how that fits in. And speaking about said chat, let's dive right in. Emily Hatton grew up in a tiny town by the sea. Nowadays, hangs out with a sassy rabbit called Popcorn. Between these two times, has travelled overseas and released a suite of tunes, including an observational number of where real wealth is in Smoke and Mirrors, plus Hades that draws from both an ancient Greek myth and personal experience. Recently toured with Eight Second Ride and released the current single, Maybe. Emily joined John over Skype for this long-form chat to work through the puzzle pieces that make up their life and their music. Em, welcome to Radio Notes. Oh, hey, how you going? Where does Maybe sit in terms of your musical releases? Well, Maybe was a song that was kind of more my emotional just... <laughs> output I just poured everything out into this song because my head was kind of just going in you know one of those vicious cycles where you're not really sure what to think and I put it all out on paper I took it to my friend Michael Salita and it ended up being probably the best co-write I've ever I've ever written it just really worked because Michael's really great at coming up with melody because that's what I was stuck on at the time what's Michael's background we went to the same academy for a little bit. He was a teacher. He now is part of the NSAI. He's a member of the Nashville Songwriters Association International. He's a wonderful songwriter and he's just building his name there at the moment. Em, can you talk to us about the idea of a song, particularly songwriting, being a puzzle, one that excites the brain for you? Oh, that's a great analogy because I do love puzzles. Songwriting for me is definitely like either a jigsaw puzzle or a crossword puzzle, you know, you have a few words here and there and they might just be thoughts and they might not even rhyme, but you kind of just like do this word dump, you know, a brain dump onto a page. And then it's slowly about putting all the pieces together and then you might have just a verse or it'll just be the end of a chorus. And then it'll just kind of click into place all of a sudden and you'll go, oh, oh, that's the, that's the bridge from this place to that place. And then before you know it, you've got this complete puzzle. Are all the words in your head or do you sometimes just see them as you're passing by? Fish and chip, right, I need that in the song. Where do these <laughs> words come from? My words definitely come from my own brain. Lyrics has just always been something that I've done. I used to be a poet, I guess, before I added music to the words. Kind of just it comes from what I'm feeling and it's definitely a lot easier to write lyrics when I'm feeling that feeling in that moment. With Maybe in particular, it was my brain dump. And then Michael started with most of the melody and the and the chords. And then once we had kind of that general like bone structure of the song from start to finish, I filled in the rest of the gaps. Maybe is a huge team effort, or at least that of three, because Michael, in terms of songwriting and melody, we're hearing there. But a guy mm-hmm. called Troy Kemp, done a couple of gigs together and you know he's been in the business for I don't know some crazy amount of time like 20 years so he knows what he's doing I just love his tone of voice and I just heard this song as a duet 
because I'd been singing it and practicing it with Michael. And so I just always had the male vocal in my head and I always had the male harmony. And so I just reached out to Troy and I was like, hey, do you want to be part of my song? And he said, yeah, for sure. I'm in. That was it. (laughs) Is it also a sense maybe was very much a dialogue song about working through those issues? Well, maybe was definitely mostly from my point of view and it was kind of everything that I had wished I'd been able to say to the particular person. Inclusion of the male perspective was me kind of hoping and wishing that the other person was feeling the same way and thinking about me too. Whether he was or not, it was kind of like me playing out my own story the way that I had wanted it to go. Are Hades, Smoke and Mirrors and Maybe a trio of songs for one or are they a trio of separate songs for different people? They're very much about different people Mm. over different years as well. I think something that not many people know about Smoke and Mirrors is it's not actually about a romantic relationship. It's about someone who I almost was associated with but then was warned about by multiple people. And so I decided to keep my distance. And then I also wrote it partially for my family who was going through a really big thing at the time. And I just wanted to tell them that it's like, because they lost a whole bunch of money. Mm. Um, And I wanted them to know that, you know, their worth is not at all in their money. That's the line, my treasure ain't all silver and gold. That's what that means. Another line from that, M is robbing cowgirls blind. I, that hit me very hard. I've seen those kind of snake oil type people, not saying the person you're singing about is, but I've seen <laughs> snake oil type people using the charm and beauty of a young singer to push them forward and it hurts seeing that firsthand. Wow. I love how you just, yeah, figured that out. <laughs> not many people have just gone in and completely analysed one particular line. Good on you. That's Yeah, that's really cool actually. <laughs> Um, yeah. And Hades, it was about me wanting to walk away from a bad situation and tell myself that it was okay to walk away and not look behind. And I think one of my favorite things about that release is it actually helped many people because people have reached out to me and just said, it helped me through my divorce and things like that. And I was just so happy and honored that I could impact someone's life like that and help someone be so assured in themselves and, and their decisions. The song for you was a song of encouragement, self-encouragement to walk. Is that true? To walk away from the bad situation and, yeah, not not be caught up in the past. Which is what we're doing by talking about it, which brings up the question, (laughs) how do you feel performing that song? Do you lean into the fact that it helps other people and it's not so much your song anymore? Oh, most definitely. Yeah. I mean, when I first wrote it, it was about me helping myself get through it. And now every time I play it, it's about helping other people. Let's talk about the past a little bit more, but in a nice way. (laughs) You grew up by the sea. And in terms of writing, I believe, under your grandfather's apple tree, what was your grandfather's apple tree all about? I spent a lot of time at my grandfather's house as a kid because it was just It was almost like a a daydream, like an escape for me because he was the best gardener. He just had this massive backyard with every type of fruit tree that you could think of. 
And he just grew pretty much all of his own fruits and vegetables. And it was just a place where I could just live in nature and just do what kids do and explore not only my environment, but my, my, my head and my dreams. And so that's kind of where I sat. I would, I loved climbing. I still climb trees now. <laughs> I'm just going to admit that. Yeah. So I'd climb the tree and I'd sit in the tree and just write um, poetry. I didn't really think of it like that back then as a kid. I just kind of thought it as, I don't know, just like I was rhyming things, kind of read back over those as an adult. And I've just thought to myself like, wow, that's really cool that I had that creative outlet right from the get-go. Was there an audience at the time? Oh, there was definitely no audience back then. It was just me getting my feelings out onto paper. I figured out quite quickly that once I did that, I would have a better day and I didn't have to obsess over things as much in my head about like, oh, did did that really go wrong? You know, did I did I say something weird or like did, does that person really think that of me? Once I had written all that out on paper, it kind of – just left my brain and freed me, freed my mind. Apart from the vegetation and trees, what's your fondest memory of your grandfather? I really love that question. I guess it's all tied in together because he's the one who helped me learn how to garden and just have an appreciation for being able to nurture your own produce like that. I just think that's so invaluable Unfortunately, that property has been sold and all of the gardens have been completely ripped out. So it's literally just a memory in my brain now. And every time I get something from the supermarket, I think to myself, oh, it doesn't taste like grandfather's. Hopefully one day I can make my own garden with that knowledge. The folks I get the feeling were apart for a little bit of your childhood. What was that like in terms of developing M the singer-songwriter in terms of the creative elements? They split up when I was one, so it's kind of all I've ever known. I had two different environments to experience different ways of sorting through things in my head, I guess. My understanding is that the old man, and I probably shouldn't call him that, was into listening to full records, so getting the full experience of the musical novel that an album can be of all different stories put together, where... Was your mum more about the dancing in the living room? Oh, dad would listen to music just on hours upon hours, for four hours upon hours. It was all those really deep kind of ethereal sounds of the 80s, Sting and the Police and The Wall, just albums as experiences. And I guess I learnt a lot from that because a lot of the music released nowadays is singles, you know, short bursts and There's only kind of so much you can say in three minutes. I definitely formed an appreciation of not only the 80s, but of listening to full albums as a piece of art from my dad. And mum was more of the a classical listener. So she used to listen to all the big names of way back when Mozart and Beethoven. And even my cat loved that music because he would just sleep in the lounge room. And it was kind of the only music that we would play and he would be just curled up completely relaxed. So I think that it definitely has the same sort of effect on humans. That's kind of why mum liked classic music because it's quite relaxing and, yeah, she did teach me how to dance. I want to just ask a little bit more about the dancing in the living room. How much dancing do you do now? I do still dance now. For me, it's like it's freedom 
it's somewhat like daydreaming where you can kind of just get lost in the moment. Just moving your body feels good no matter what you're doing, whether it's walking or dancing or, or working out. It's just kind of what our bodies are made to do and it can help free the mind. I usually dance in the morning. You know, I'll put on songs that really make me want to move and I can get a double win. I can listen to music that I really love and really enjoy and feel really great afterwards too because you're just moving, grooving. Age of five, musical theatre and then vocal training came around the same time. A very early start to musical theatre? Yeah, I've always just been completely immersed in music in many different ways. My mum definitely, as a piano teacher, wanted me to experience as much as I could. Musical theatre was one of those things and I think that was my first taste of the stage when I was five and I got on the stage and I think it was something like Goldilocks and the Three Bears even. But I just remember the audience clapping and cheering and having those emotional moments of something that I was doing. So, you know, if it was a sad moment or if it was a happy moment or a funny moment, I had that expression and then seeing their reaction was kind of immediately addictive to me. I was just like, oh, wow, I can emotionally affect these people. And that's just like one of my favorite things is seeing people's reactions like that, you know, making them feel things because we can kind of get caught up in the mundane, you know, of a just on the daily basis, day in, day out. But then you go and like, that's why you go and see a movie or you go and see a play or you listen to your favorite music is because of that emotional stirring, I guess. It makes you feel things and makes you feel like you've gone on a journey and kind of gets you at that heightened state. And yeah, I kind of made that connection from when I was five. We'll uh, crack into a tune now to give you a bit of a break from the conversation. Em, what tune would you like to start with today? I can sing Maybe for you. Just 
single maybe performed live for radio notes coffee i was intrigued to find out that you don't mind a long black yeah i'll pretty much drink any type of coffee it's just always been in my life as silly as that sounds i was thinking about it the other day because you know i have time to contemplate these things now and i was just thinking to myself why do i like coffee so much Oh, it's the consistency. You know, it's something that I can actually rely on every day. <laughs> Where did the fascination or the enjoyment of coffee start? Oh, definitely my dad. It's actually quite funny because I think I was about 12, just about the age where they recommend, not under this age, to have coffee. So I remember that my dad was actually quite motivated to get me into coffee. He's always been into coffee himself and he had a, a full proper machine, Rangelio, the whole thing, the grinding of the beans, the extraction, the foaming, the whole process. He made me a mocha. He started making mochas for me because I already loved hot chocolates. He almost tricked me into liking coffee, <laughs> I want to say, because then he slowly weaned me off the hot chocolate part. And then there was a day where he just made me a coffee and he was like, so this is a latte. And I was like, oh, this is really yummy. <laughs> and then he was like, ah, gotcha. <laughs> Which then intrigues me that you can go from latte, but then to go to long black is a serious commitment. I think the long blacks just came from not being able to access milk at one point or maybe even being turned off milk. I think it was in America, actually. My family just has long blacks, but they call it something different. I think they call it an Americano. Over there. So it started there, but then Melbourne, coffee, yum. So, yeah, it was kind of easy to transition to a long black over here as well. What were you doing in the States? Went to college there. I was on student exchange and, yeah, the, that was for six months and it was honestly six of the best months of my life because I got to build a world from scratch I mean, obviously at first that was scary, but I kind of had felt like I'd never really had a fresh start because I'd always gone to the same school. So this was kind of the first fresh start for me. Yeah, I was 23 and I just made friends and then I had this little friendship circle and I'd never really felt like I belonged anywhere. Um, and that was kind of the first first time I would just kind of stand there on a random day where I was completely appreciating everything around me and just being like, wow, like I'm super lucky to have experienced this. And yeah, yeah. So America is in the last five years or so. How did that accelerate, if it did, 
the songwriting and musical experience for M? Ooh, that's a tough question. I don't, I don't think it significantly impacted on my songwriting or the process of it. I think I was really present when I was there and I maybe wrote one or two songs, mm. but I was more absorbed in just experiencing everything that was new and meeting new people. Sounds like it was a bit of a break from the songwriting process even. Yeah, it actually did end up being that because you probably have cottoned on to the fact that most of my music is about something that's, I don't want to say going wrong in my life, but (laughs) something that I need to sort through in my head. I have written happy songs, you know, songs about joy, and but I just write more to do with getting things out of my system. And I just felt like I didn't really need to get things out of my system as much when I was over there. Well, let's talk about something that's a little more wistful in your entourage of tunes, and that is Breathless. How does that fit in? How did you find that? (laughs) That's not even released. (laughs) We were talking about coffee, so I thought it was apt. Oh, my God. I can't believe you found that. Um, I wrote that song not about an actual situation that was happening to me, but using my daydreaming power and hypothetical um, brain power, just about what I felt like the ideal relationship would be for me, what it would look like, what it would smell like and taste like and how I would feel if I was just with someone who I could completely be myself around and just the ideal romantic relationship, I guess. Kind of like my wish to the universe that I threw out there. Wonderful idea, as you mentioned there, uh, but particularly talking about coffee, is that the taste of a relationship, how you can have a coffee and know that you feel comfortable in drinking a coffee, in being in a relationship, and most importantly, being yourself. I love how you drew like a comparison between drinking coffee and being yourself. That's awesome. How are the two not related? <laughs> I love that so much. And actually I did, I threw that into maybe for that exact reason that you were just talking about a strong cappuccino. I think the initial lyric was something like I drink my coffee without my milk now because it reminds me of you or something like that, you know, so that kind of goes to show how much lyrics can be condensed into a couple of words too. But that was kind of the idea around me putting that in the song because when I met this particular person I walked into the cafe and I ordered a strong cappuccino and then there was a time there where I couldn't drink cappuccinos because it reminded me too much of all of those memories there's the same reason why I still don't have uh, marshmallows in my hot chocolate Aww. and that was 1990s would it be too much to get <laughs> a couple of licks of breathless Oh, sure. I mean, I can play the chorus. I haven't played it for so long. Yeah, I'll just do the chorus. You soak through my skin. I feel you in the air. I'm breathing you in. You're tangled in my hair. The coffee in your eyes and the oceans in my collide. You leave me breathless always. Yeah. Ah, ah, ah. 
That's a little bit of Breathless, an unreleased tune by Emily Hatton, who joins us on Radio Notes today. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, my pleasure. It's going to be a great song when it comes out <laughs> as well. You don't, you don't think so? I've just written so many songs that, you know, you, you know you can't release them all. It's just one of the many in my bank that I'd, uh, I don't know if I'll release that one. I mean, I've actually had a request to release that song because someone found the demo and she said that she actually played the demo at her wedding. She said, well, my 200 guests seem to enjoy it, so I'm more than happy to contribute to, you know, it being released one day. And I just, that blew me away, you know. G'day, folks. This is Tom Wolf here from the Wolf Brothers. Our new single is No Breaks, and I'm coming up on Radio Night. Let's talk about your athletic ability of M. Are you the sporty spice of the country world? I actually love any sort of fitness. I never used to be that sporty person at school. In fact, I hated it. I hated any type of exercise. Well, let's get into the depths of that. Well, what was it about sport and fitness you didn't like? I think it was just being puffed out and that feeling of if you're actually increasing your fitness, what that feels like. As a teenager, it was just like, oh, it's too hard. Something just changed. I think I was walking up a set of stairs at university one day and I was out of breath and I thought to myself, oh, like I don't know much about fitness, but surely that's not right. Surely you shouldn't be out of breath after walking up one set of stairs. So I just kind of made it my mission to increase my fitness a little bit. And then next thing I knew, I was doing Pilates and kettlebell like five times a week and yeah I actually got really into it and for me it was a sense of community as well I really loved working out because of the group classes and getting to know the people who came to the same classes week in week out and then I found what was most helpful about exercise for me was translating my mindset from working out to just everyday life What I mean by that is if you're working out, you have this thing where you just go, okay, 10 more seconds or just just two more, whatever it is, sit-ups, just a little bit more, just a little bit more, and that's where you grow. And then I would take that into my everyday life and I'd be like, oh, I'll just do 10 more minutes of this assignment or if I can just push through this one bit of like writer's block And then I found that that was actually really helpful to achieving things on an everyday basis. Did the idea of running give you a chance to clear your head through all the ideas that you might have been having at the time? Yes. I definitely find it helpful because it kind of gets your blood flowing. And when your blood's flowing, your brain works better. So if I was stuck on a song, I would go for a run. And, yeah, sometimes that just made me have an idea that I hadn't had before or I would be listening back to a voice memo with my little half completed puzzle of a song and all of a sudden just boom there would be another piece just from simply just being in a different environment feeling a different material under your feet sometimes I would be running and singing at the same time and for some reason that was helpful for me and I'd say completely random things 
but then that would help me get to the actual lyric that I wanted to put in the song. How good a runner are you? I haven't been doing it as much lately. My best time was, I think, 28 minutes for 5K. Have been doing a bit of a tour with a bit of a band of late. Um, who are I they? It, right. it was a completely random uh, thing. It just kind of, yeah, fell into my lap. My friend Jake Sinclair just reached out to me and said, hey, there's this band, Eight Second Ride. They're looking for an opening act for their tour. I just reached out to them and I said, hey, I'll do it <laughs> pretty much. They said, yeah, great, cool. So here are the dates and next thing I know, they were picking me up at the airport in their ginormous renovated school bus of a tour bus. The leader of the band, Matt, actually just bought this old school bus and turned it into a tour bus. That's where we lived, on the road, and that was the first tour. And then I was lucky enough for them to ask me back for the second tour, which was February this year. That was definitely one of the best times of my life because I just felt like I was living with family. We got to see a lot of Australia, which I'd never seen before. That was actually on my bucket list. You know, I'd always wanted to tour because I have traveled a lot in my life overseas and I'd never really traveled Australia and gotten to see Australia. So I got to see all of Queensland and do what I love at the same time, which is just play many different stages and, and meet all different types of people. You know, they're all there for the same thing. We all we all love music and that's what brings us together and that was the best part of tour for me. Did that tour give you inspiration to maybe have your own band behind you? Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's next on my list. It's just been me and my guitar for a while now and I think I'd really love to just have people on the stage with me because I have played with a band before and it's just there's just a whole other level to it everything is just heightened and it's a really fun experience because you can bounce off other people and you're sharing something on stage and then you're sharing it out to the audience and it's just magnified all of the joy and the happiness around it so yeah I'd Definitely would love to do that very soon. Emily Hatton is featured on a song called At All by Cat Nip Kaiser. They're released back on the 17th of January 2020. It's pop punk, so think five souls. Yes. My friend Jack just reached out to me and said, hey, we're looking for a female vocal to have on this track. Would you be keen? I actually love pop punk. I don't think I've ever mentioned that, but I'm definitely partial to Green Day and Avril Lavigne and Panic at the Disco and Set It Off and all of those types of bands. So, Do you know why that is, though? There are some really great lyrics out there in pop punk, like amazing lyrics, and it's just so catchy, you know, their use of melody and the chords the chord progressions and I just love it because you can dance to it you know that's definitely one of the things that I dance to I sang on this track and it was a bunch of fun we just kind of hung out and I got to do my thing and they were really happy with it so yeah let's get another tune from you I can sing Hades this is a song from 2018 
dark and I liked my little spark of light Took it for yourself, no I never felt right For you it got old, trust me with the lost souls Deep down in your underground, underground So why do I miss your touch? The way you made me blush When you only miss my blind trust Performed live by Emily Hatton for Radio Notes. It was not till 19 years of age that the guitar made a debut. Yeah, 100% true. I used to play the cello in school and that's kind of where my fingers on the board and strings started. I also played the piano since I can remember. When did the cello first enter your life? Grade two. I was lucky enough to be at a school where we were 
encouraged to try different instruments and see which one resonated with us. And I loved the violin, but then I was really tall as well. So they told me that they needed, you know, more people on the cello. So I was put on the cello and I ended up really loving it because I just think it's one of the most beautiful instruments in the whole world, just the tone that it has and the emotion that it can add to any piece of music. And then when I was 19 and I started writing songs, I tried on the piano and sometimes it worked, but sometimes it didn't. And I just really wanted a different vehicle to transport the words that I was trying to get out. I really became attached to country music at that age as well because of my American family. I picked up the guitar and I got my friend to show me just four chords and then I taught the rest of the chords myself. I just learnt one new chord every every day or something on YouTube, 100% self-taught. Um, I think I should actually get some lessons sometime soon. <laughs> Let's talk about who and when did popcorn become part of your life? Popcorn is my rabbit. And he came into my life about five years ago now, I think, come to think of it, which sounds crazy. That's like half a decade. Post or pre-America? Post-America. Right because I had just moved back home and, you know, it was quite a difficult transition to leave an entire world that I'd built, an entire life that I'd built over there, come back to home and just the everyday. And if I'm going to be honest, it was kind of an emotional impulse buy. wouldn't recommend that, but he's just adorable and probably one of the best decisions I ever made and popcorn's actually taught me a lot about life because there's this one room that he's not allowed to go into and he knows and as soon as that door open even a crack you know he'll eye it off and then before you know it he'll be gone straight into that room that he's not allowed to go into so he sees an opportunity he knows it's fleeting and he goes for it (laughs) What I enjoy about the idea of popcorn, apart from the fact that they're called popcorn, is the fact that you haven't chosen something conventional. And in many ways, at the time, probably back then, your musical choice of country may not have been as conventional as well. Has that been a goal or a bonus for you to look at the non-conventional through your music? I think I just tend to gravitate towards the non-conventional. I've always just wanted to stand out and be unique and have my own thing or, you know, be different to everybody else because I've always kind of felt like I naturally am anyway. You know, I've never really felt like I've properly belonged somewhere or or fit into a particular group. So I kind of just ran with that. I started defining everything that was unique about me. An example that I can think of is, you know, when everyone goes left, I want to go right. So if I see everybody else doing the same thing, it makes me go, oh, okay, how can I take a different angle on this? So if I'm like at the airport, for example, and everybody's queuing up to get on the plane and there's that massive long line, I'll be the person standing at least 10 feet away doing stretches. And I guess that kind of translates to my music too. I try to be unique. I've had a lot of people say to me, Hades, like where did that even come from? I don't think anyone's ever combined Greek mythology and country before. Just two things that I really love and that fascinate me and 
that stimulate my brain and I just put those two things that are uniquely me together. Board games, what's the number one board game? Oh, Cluedo. I just love Cluedo. I love anything that involves figuring stuff out or problem solving or murder mysteries are just one of my favourite things ever, absolutely, whether it's a TV show or a board game. And I have the Simpsons version of Cluedo, actually. It's amazing. Got like Bart and Mudge and Homer and Krusty as well. And you have to figure out who murdered Mr. Burns and where and with what, whether it was the plutonium rod or Bart's slingshot. (laughs) But I get very competitive. I do. Emily Hatton, absolute pleasure to speak with you. Thanks for doing Radio Notes. Thank you so much for having me, John. Emily Hatton. Latest single, Maybe, featuring Troy Kemp. They can be found online at emilyhatton.com. Last year was a bit of a tough one, and I guess being open about how you were feeling at that time meant a lot of people giving you some pretty, well, frankly, insane advice based upon maybe not knowing what you were actually going through at the time. As a singer-songwriter, as someone who's now released a song about those times, how did you click yourself into getting back to where your heart was? Yeah, that's the thing. Like when I first kind of pitched this song to my team and my publicist, we had a massive phone conversation. Said like, how far are you going to, do you really want to get into deep details about it? Because she said, if you're going to run this song, like you're going to be doing interviews and you're going to have to talk about this. And you know, and I said, oh, you know, I really want to be honest and, and share with kind of where I'm at. Like, I'm not ashamed of, and that's even in the thing, like, I'm not scared to talk about it. I really want to be honest. For me, you know, the story kind of was that life kind of just hit rock bottom. And I kind of got to the point, I was like, I don't know if life is kind of what I want to do anymore. I wouldn't say that I, I wanted to be, to be dead as such. I just didn't want to feel the way I did anymore. Ellery Cohen, a candid chat about his single Change Like That, next time here on Radio Notes. Thanks very much to our feature guest this week, Emily Hatton. RadioNotesPodcast.com for show notes and links. Web design there by Steve Davis. Theme music by Martin Kennedy and All India Radio. I'm Tammy Weller. John Merch is the producer and host based in Adelaide, South Australia. 